You have reached the voicemail box of Ira Madison III. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options. Hey, Ira, it's Doreen. I have some really incredible news about Hermione and a certain offshore company. Hit me back. Hey, uh, I got your message about Emma Watson, um, Bell Hooks' favorite feminist. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to set the scene for you. You know that, first of all, just tangentially, you know I went to college with Emma Watson, right? I had no idea. Yes. Emma Watson and I have the same exact degree from a school in Rhode Island, and she Hogwarts? Was, <laughs> yeah, we both went to Hogwarts University. Um, and she was actually sitting next to me um, during our ceremony because we both have last names towards the end of the alphabet. So just quick tidbit. Anyway... I was online last night in a haze, and I was alerted to the fact that Emma Watson, her name was on this leak called the Panama Papers, which you know what that is, right? Yeah, it's like the list of leaders around the world who've been keeping their money in offshore bank accounts. Exactly. So it's like the biggest data leak in all of history. It's over 11 million documents. And there are some celebrities on it besides her. Like, I'm pretty sure that Jackie Chan is on it, which, like, do your thing, Jackie. Like, I don't like to pay taxes either. But it's really... Jackie's been hiding that rush hour money. Exactly. That franchise money. Which Emma Watson also has because she was in Harry Potter. She was not only found to like have money in an offshore company, but also her reps responded and were like, listen, the reason why Emma has to put her, you know, leave her money in countries where it can't be taxed is for privacy reasons. So not because she's trying to evade paying money, you know, because Emma Watson is the greatest feminist to have ever lived, if you didn't know that. But because she needs she needs quiet time. Okay, I have so many questions. Is she like the only celebrity in the world who needs to be so private that she needs to hide her money off the shore of the Cayman Islands or wherever? Exactly, and also like, like she doesn't. Daniel have... Radcliffe isn't in the Panama Papers. Well, Emma Watson has more money than Daniel Radcliffe. I do want to just put that as an aside. She was at some point the highest paid actress in Hollywood. But she was like in Harry Potter. And I thought because of like the wage gap, that meant she made like (laughs) half of what he made. Yeah. I mean, after that, though, she got all these endorsements. She's one of, you know, she's endorsed by everything. And also like in the past couple of years, what I find so ironic about all of this is Emma was named you know, like global feminism ambassador by the United Nations. And she started this campaign called he for she hashtag he for she. And it's really like palatable feminism for men. Basically, the whole premise of it is like, oh, like if women and men are going to be equal, women need to embrace men into the feminist movement, which like girl, goodbye, au revoir, toodaloo. What do they say in England? Don't they say that toodles? (laughs) Cheerio Cheerio. or is that hello that's what I meant I meant cheerio cheerio (laughs) 
I found out about Emma Watson's feminism from Bell Hooks mm-hmm. because Take Bell us to Hooks church. was like going on and on and on about how she loved Emma Watson's feminism, putting her on this nice little like white feminist pedestal. And BuzzFeed and all sorts of other places were doing all these lists about like 20 times Emma Watson like slayed feminism, 20 times Emma (laughs) Watson was like the best feminist in the world. Meanwhile, we just talked last week about how powerful Lemonade was to black women. A week later, after we were already done with all of this lemonade discourse, she was like, oh, you know what? I'm an OG, so people need to hear what I have to say. And just to put this in context, Bell Hooks for the past couple of years has really positioned herself publicly against Beyonce. So she had this talk at the new school where she called Beyonce a cultural terrorist. Bell Hooks, obviously she's the foremother of black feminism as you see it today, but she also has this like really strange streak of femphobia, maybe even horrorphobia in her critiques. And so you see that in the the Lemonade essay in which she's like, basically by staying with her man, Beyonce is just reifying the patriarchy. Belle was like going against her for being sexual towards her man on the album Beyonce when that came true, out. And true. now she's mad that she's perpetuating this quote-unquote stereotype of an angry black woman against her man. So it's like, which one do you want her to be? It just feels so petty. You know, it's almost like Beyonce, like like she owes her money or something. And she just like keeps sending her these subliminals like, girl, like <laughs> don't, don't think I don't see you out here thriving and I'm not gonna try and pull you down. I'm just like, when I'm thinking about Bell Hooks, I don't need to be thinking about her having brunch with Kaya and Carrie Hilson talking about <laughs> how much they hate Beyonce. <laughs> okay, I don't think, I'm not going to join you in putting Bell Hooks on the same level as Kaya and Carrie Hilson. I am going to maintain that she's an incredible thinker, but she has this just way of engaging with pop music that really... She is, but right? she's also written... Um, pieces about um, some of the same topics that are in Lemonade. Um, No one denied her her anger, Mm -hmm. so why can't B have hers? Yeah. You know, theory works by saying, okay, this is what we should aspire to do. We should aspire to end these oppressive systems. But pop music is not theory. It's about showing people reflections of themselves as they are. And I just think that Belle... I don't know if it's because she's now of like a different, you know, two generations above Beyonce, but just she just doesn't see that anymore. So it makes me sad because I love Bell Hooks. And it also makes me sad because she's been so positive about Emma Watson. Totally. But as you said, he for she is all about involving men in feminism and making them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas here you have a piece of art that is completely about making black women comfortable and not worrying about the man, and now Belle has a problem with it. I get the impulse to want to be contrarian and to wait a couple of weeks after everybody has said their piece and then throw a wrench into it, but there's just a line. And like, first of all, you cross the line when you aligned yourself with Emma Watson, who doesn't pay her taxes, 
does not pay her taxes. No, excuse me. We need to call the English version of Big Brother. What do they call Big Brother in England, Ira? We need to call them. Um, I don't know. Is that like Sherlock Holmes or whatever? <laughs> Can we have Sherlock Holmes investigate Emma Watson? <laughs> Scotland Yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we are trash. <laughs> Did you see people like dragging Emma on Twitter coming up with like different Harry Potter book titles like Harry no, Potter and the Prisoner them. of the Harry Potter and like the Stolen Money of Azkaban oh my um, God. Harry Potter and the Half Paid Taxes <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god did you get into it I feel like Harry Potter and dragging white women is like exactly your that's where you really thrive in terms of your Twitter account. <laughs> I'm mad you said that I thrive in dragging white women. I'm just observing. Sue me. <laughs> you make me sound like I'm Azalea Banks. <laughs> we can't, we're not touching that. We're not touching that bird. Let's talk about Auntie. You went to go see okay. Auntie last week. And yes, I'm so I mad did. because you got to see Drake. Ugh. Yes, she like she brought out Drake for the second night of the Auntie tour in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I know some Rihanna fans were salty that they saw it the night before. Did he perform any songs off views? Yeah, he did um one dance. Oh, of course. That's like the most Rihanna adjacent song. Yeah, but he didn't do it with her. Oh. She, she, he came out and did work with her. And then, you know, he did his, like, Drake thing where he was, like, grinding up on her, um, looking like he was waiting for barbecue at the grill. Um, and then she went away for a costume change, and he did one dance. And then because the rest of views is trash, he did Jumpman. <laughs> Wait, so basically Rihanna brought Drake out to kind of just like tide the crowd over while she changed? Yes. <laughs> That's such a power move. And then he left right before she came back out and did Take Care without him, which is a song from his album. Jesus Christ. While he was in the building. <laughs> while he was in the building. While he was being, you know, carried out down on whatever lever you know they take you from the stage i don't know what those are called people are always rising up oh yeah those like floating they're like floating elevators or something yeah you know like you remember michelle williams doesn't know how to work them from the super bowl <laughs> but speaking of those floaty thingies you also wrote a piece which i really loved anti or anti if you haven't seen rihanna perform this it's visually stunning um, the first thing I thought about, because remember we were slacking and you were like, Doreen, like, what are the like cinematic references that you see in yeah. the in anti the stage basically design? And the first thing I said was Mad Max Fury Road. But then you made this incredible list with like nine other references. And then you talked also about how she was channeling all these goddesses of science fiction, which I thought was so like on point. It was very Afrofuturist to me. It was. You know, she was like, 
Barbarella or, uh, you know, I wrote about the film, the Pamela Anderson film Barbed Wire last week. Um, and usually when we've seen like, um, you know, goddesses of sci-fi, like the heroes of sci-fi, it's been women like Pam Anderson or Jane Fonda mm-hmm. or... Um, you know, Sigourney Weaver and Alien. And even now, you know, it's like Scarlett Johansson and Lucy, um, Sandra Bullock um, in that other space movie. Um, <laughs> Gravity. It was Gravity. Uh, that was the one I liked. So let me remember the title. Um, but, you know, we've yet to really see any black women in sci fi in that way. Sci fi, a lot of the foundation of it comes from actually incredibly like Afrofuturist, like African inspired art, like Octavia Butler, for example. Um, it even just makes me think about Lupita's hairstyle at the Met Gala, how she had that, you know, the really like exactly. tall, sculptured, ex- incredibly kinky bun that she wore. That Vogue thought was a throwback to Audrey Hepburn. Oh my God, and Lupita gathered them so swiftly. She said, no, actually, Nina Simone. But yeah, the concert was just very, um, like I said in the piece, you know, it was it. I thought of Barbarella. I thought of Alien. Um, I thought of um, the Grace Jones movie Vamp. Mm-hmm. Um, during the dance disco parts, I thought of like Paris's Burning. Even stuff like Ghostbusters too, because it had like those soapy bubbles that were like falling from oh, the yeah, stage. Oh yeah, towards the end. And like the entire stage at the end was just like filled with bubbles, Mm -hmm. especially as she cut into like Kiss It Better um, and then the guitar riff in Kiss It Better um, turned into the guitar riff from Purple Rain. And I don't know if that would have happened when you saw it because you saw it before Prince passed. Yeah. So when I saw, I think first of all, the crowd, I saw it in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. The crowd definitely wasn't as animated as your guys' crowd because I saw some clips from the concert. And that totally changes the way you experience any stadium Absolutely. tour. My, initially when I left the concert, I was like, whoa, this really reminds me. It's like a feminized Yeezus or something. Like there was like a warmth to the desert feel, like the desert colors that was kind of like absent from Yeezus. But now sitting with it, you know, two months after... I'm really interested in like the kind of narrative that Rihanna is creating. Everybody talks about Beyonce's narrative. Like we immediately took Lemonade to be an album that's supposed to be listened to all at once, you know, and that there was a through line. But I think Rihanna had that too. Anti is definitely absolutely. It's a slow burn, but when you sit there and you, you listen to it, you there is this kind of like alien, like outsider vibe that she's channeling on this album the album was just like such a good slow burn you know it's like an album that you can like chill to on a saturday night and i feel like her music finally started to match who she is as a person yeah and it's sort of a lot of songs you know about past relationships that were sort of dangerous i mean in the immediate um, person you'll think about is Chris Brown, obviously, because she talks, you know, about in Desperado, you know, about being left behind by a lover. In the video for Needed Me, um, you know, she's 
wielding a gun, you know, she's violent. Um, it's a lot like Beyonce and the Bat in Lemonade, you know, she's taking her vengeance out. Um, but even in Need It Me, it's not even just about like a Chris Brown, you know, because with Rihanna, the media is always focused on who she's dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always focusing on like someone like a Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, someone who's like very rich and wealthy. But like Rihanna's rich and wealthy herself, which is why I love the line, um, fuck your white horse and your carriage in Need It Me. You know, it's about her sort of owning who she is now yeah. um, and not needing any of those other superfluous things that used to tie her down in the past. So I feel like it's a very personal album as well. And it deserves, you know, the same amount of introspection that Lemonade or The Life of Pablo gets. Because when you said female Yeezus, that's exactly sort of what I felt. And we all know historically how like black women aren't really involved in Kanye's narratives. Unless you're Donda or Beyonce. Those are like the only two black women who exist, according to Kanye West. And maybe Kim. I don't know if he's black or not. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about the Kardashians later. So we can can talk about those cornrows later. (laughs) So when you were talking about Kiss It Better and how it like spun into... Purple Rain, was it, at at your concert? Yes, and I know exactly where you're going. You want to talk about this Prince tribute that is happening at the Billboard Music Awards. Yeah, because I saw you tweeting about it. I I can't. You can, though. That's the thing, Ira. I cannot. They are having Madonna do a tribute to Prince at the Billboard Music Awards. First of all, Prince couldn't even stand her. Well, they had their relationship was more complicated than that, though. I know. It's like they were involved and they didn't like each other, but they also loved each other. Yeah. Um, it was. I think it's a story of two contemporaries just like having extremely passionate opinions about each other. Prince mm-hmm. was a collaborator on Like a Prayer. Yeah, I love the song Love Song. Yeah, it's incredible. And he played the guitar on like a prayer of the single and they was also like they were fucking around for a little bit in the 80s but everybody was fucking around so that doesn't really mean anything to me i don't really get the idea of using just one artist to do a tribute like with gaga and bowie the whole thing about artists like on that global scale david bowie or prince is that they their influence spans to so many different genres so it feels like it should be a collaborative thing, you know? Like maybe you get Sheila E. up on there. Maybe you got Tevin Campbell. Maybe you got Janelle Monet. Maybe get, maybe get anybody who can sing and play an instrument. Well, all I'm right. not trying to <laughs> throw that much shade at Madonna because I actually love Madonna. I own all of her albums and I ride for her. But she can barely sing. And she is not going to be up there doing guitar riffs that are anywhere equal to what Prince can do. Yeah, but she can wear she can wear an assless chap ensemble. She can do that. She did that at the Met, and that's all it really takes for a Prince tribute, right? <laughs> well, you know, if that's the case, can't she keep her Prince tribute to Instagram? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. I'm really nervous for it. I think that she's going to, I think she's smarter than to just do the tribute by herself. I think she's going to have some collaborators on there. I think she's going to be like, you know, the big headlining name. Because basically Madonna is like, she's the only living like pop star of her class anymore. Um, well, but I think she knows. Janet, but she's busy um, having a baby through in vitro or some other futuristic scientific means. Her second baby, side note. Ira and I love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's our jam. There's like this about her secret child. Yeah, there's this story basically that Janet Jackson got pregnant in the 80s and the person who people call her niece may or may not actually be her daughter. You need to look at photos of them. It's nuts. They look exactly alike. She's like 22 at this point, right? I think they're like everybody assumes that's her daughter. And it's just sort of like, it's not out of the realm of possibility too, because Janet's ass is secretive. She, she was married before and none of us knew about it until she got divorced. Absolutely, part of the reason why I think she was able to survive that family, like she's really the only one who came out, you know, most intact, was because she like separated herself from basically everybody and had her secrets and now she has her like oil money and she's not really fucking with nobody except for her new baby. I need to send her I need to send her prenatal vitamins. I need to make sure she's healthy and okay. You know I love her. I love her and her lies. Speaking of pregnant people <laughs> Black China. Oh my god. Angela I, Kardashian. I thought have you seen the tweet that's like Black China was her slave name? She's Angela Kardashian now. <laughs> <laughs> Black China is pregnant. She's in her second She trimester. has risen. She has risen. Ooh. I'm happy. You know what? Fuck all the talk about like scamming. I'm happy sh because she actually does seem truly happy. She seems happy. Robert Kardashian seems happy. That's what I want for both he of does. them. He does. She's not scamming anybody. He is always writing about how much he loves her. Mm -hmm. um, she has a business. She has a high school degree and a college degree. Yes, she, she does. She doesn't need to scam anybody. At all. Like, she was stripping her way through college in Miami. Like, she made those coins so she could finish school. Like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, like, I get the scamming jokes, like, ha, ha, ha. But it bothers me that because Black China, it's implicit, because she's a black woman, she's, like, scamming her way into fame, as opposed to, like actually finding love and also helping this person out of a very public depression. Rob Kardashian has been clearly sick for years and his family wasn't doing anything. As soon as he meets her, he's like out again. He's doing appearances. Right. He's doing his he sock was like business Quasimodo. again. Oh my God. Rob was <laughs> like, not in, not, not in like appearance. I mean like Rob Kardashian oh, was literally okay. like hiding in the bell tower until you know, Black China Esmeralda came out and got him to like step into the sunlight. Mm -hmm. Like the Kardashians weren't doing a damn thing about it. And if we want to really talk about scammers, look no further than Kris Jenner 
or Kim Kardashian or Khloe Kardashian. Mm-hmm. I will maybe let Courtney slide because she's the one who ended up with a scammer. Um, that would be oh. Scott Disick. <laughs> but Chris scammed her family into this empire. She spun that shit from the OJ trial into like international fame. There's a quote, you know, in the first season of the Kardashians where she's like, when I found out Kim did this sex tape, I was infuriated as a mother, but as her manager, and then it's like ellipsis. Chris is the original Olivia Pope. She's the original <laughs> Joanne the Scammer. Like she knows how to work it. And Kim, you know, wasn't she texting Kanye uh, when she was married? Yes, she was, and while Kanye was with Amber. Yeah, so she's a scammer herself, and Chloe, her scam is walking around acting like she a black woman. She, more so than Kim, uh, is the one who really, really wants you to think that she's Chloe from the block. Absolutely. I was watching um, the Kardashians last weekend, and the difference in skin tone, like between her hands and her face, her face is like tanned. Like she's like the third emoji right now on her face. But then her hand is like totally like light and pale, you know, if she forgot to like finish her <laughs> her, uh, her session. But it's actually like it's incredibly jarring to see. Basically, the moral of the story is that everybody has to scam to get to the top of some place, right? There's an element of like manipulation and deceit within Hollywood. But it's fucked up when black women like Black China in this instance are like they're made to hold the the brunt of that idea. It's like she's like an evil like whatever worm who's trying to sneak her way into the Kardashian family as opposed to everything all those other women did to get to where they are. Like everybody's doing the same thing in this situation. No one calls Tyga um, a scammer when, you know, he went to the playground to find Kylie Jenner. <laughs> Ira, what am I going to do with you? We all scamming, you know? Exactly. We scammed our way into a podcast, we, you know. Scammed our way into a job at MTV, at Viacom. <laughs> I am pro-scamming. <laughs> 2016 is the year of scamming. Uh, <laughs> that's a great note to end on. All right, I'm going to go scam some people. All right, I'll talk to you soon, boo. Bye. Bye. Speed Dial is a production of the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV News and MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.